Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. My name is Pete Wright, and today we're going to be talking about what it takes to build an intranet that your employees will actually love. To do that, I'm joined by BA Insight's Chief Customer Officer and Shared Insight's regular Sean Coleman. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, Pete. Happy to be here. And a new voice to the show, Head of Product at Engage, Harut Katurjian. Welcome to the show, Harut. Hello, Pete. Pleasure meeting you. Likewise, sir. Today we are going to be walking uh, through the seven key considerations that go into building an intranet that your teams will love. Now, we've talked about consumerization of our work tools on this show a whole bunch. And what comes with this concept is this new set of expectations of teams that are looking to get the most out of the tools they have to count on at work. So let's start, Sean, with you. When you think about building an intranet your teams will love, what does connectivity mean to you? And what should that mean to those who are building these applications? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a great question, right? So the, anytime I think about that, you take a step back, what, you know, connectivity, what am I talking about? Or we're talking about a one a one-stop shop for knowledge. And so if they come to the intranet, they want to be able to answer whatever questions they have. Otherwise, they're, they're not going to love it, right? So, so what, what do you have to do in connectivity? And this is some of the things that we talk to people around all the time. So how, do you, how do you put the right tools in place? How do you drive the right value? And how do you kind of come climb what we call this kind of knowledge pyramid, where you start at the bottom with all this noise and misinformation, and then you have this superfluous data that's on top of that. But then you start to solve it a little bit and get some metrics behind the data that you have. And then that really turns into information that they can consume. And at the top of the pyramid, turns into knowledge that they that, that they then have. So if you think about it, it's it's bringing all that content together uh, in the one system so that they can they can access it. Uh, I think you know from if you just boiled it down to you know two or three things that, that you kind of have to do when you think about connectivity is you got to look at your core systems and you need to integrate those, right? Where are people doing their work? Is it a CRM? Is it a document management system? Is it SharePoint itself? Great. Let's make sure that those things are in. And then you have to figure out the metadata that exists in these three in these different sources, align that and leverage what you have. Document type, author, time modified, all these things that are going to help people find that information and turn it into knowledge are going to be key. Uh, and we always tell people you you absolutely 100% have to respect the security of the source system that you bring in through connectivity. The first time that someone finds a document that they're not supposed to find because security wasn't right uh, is, is not a great day for when you're bringing systems together. Security raises their hands. They do lots of stuff. So great thing from the B-Inside perspective, we have connectors that just kind of make that seamless for you. Uh, but that's really what you have to do. Go after those core systems, get the metadata aligned and leveraged. Make sure you're respecting that source system security, and you can deliver on you know real knowledge and information to the users. Now, Harut, to you, I mentioned consumerization a minute ago, and I know that's kind of a loaded word, but so much of what teams expect of their tools involves the user experience design that goes into the tools they already love. So our second consideration is look and feel. How does look and feel apply to your work building these tools, and what should we be looking at to know if we've designed our tools right? Now, the, the look and feel term ha, does come up frequently, usually from corporate communication. Uh, but what they're trying to say is, this is ugly. I don't want my site to look ugly. And, and I don't want it to look like SharePoint. But to really kind of dive in there, uh, you know, you, look and feel is same as any style. 
right? Styling clothing. I, we we are in LA, so it's the fashion center, so it changes every six months. So you have to be able to keep up with the diverging look and feel needs. Uh, but again, this is only surface deep. You can have something that looks great and still be an absolute piece of crap uh, and worthless. So we have, um, you know, just to give you an analogy over here, you can meet someone who is dressed very well, uh, who appears great. So the look and feel might be great, but it might be the completely worthless on the inside. So your intranet, uh, even though it looks, you, you might get the look and feel right, uh, so it tracks people initially, but uh, after the first glance, they're just simply going to abandon it because it is worthless to the, to them. And it kind of resonates, connects with what Sean is saying. It ha has to do with connectivity, meaning that it has to be able to connect and get useful stuff to the users and help them get the work done. Uh, but But it still has to look good. So you might have the usefulness and connectivity and if you don't have the, the good look and feel, people are not going to likely to engage. And the opposite is that you might have something that, it, that looks good and feels right, but if it doesn't provide usefulness, they're going to abandon it very quickly. I'm going to move to Sean, and this is one that actually surprised me, Sean. Uh, number three here is classification. Now, knowing you and thinking about the conversations you and I have had on this very show, I have to say I'm surprised that you buried classification as number three on this list. <laughs> Tell us, please, sir, why we should be excited about classification and what our users should expect of their data. you got to have the data first. And then you have to have a nice look and feel to be able to find, to get to the data, right? If you don't knock those two things down, no one's going to come to your internet anyway, right? But now that they're there, the question is, you know, do I have the right data for them to find what they're looking for? And that's kind of what we mean with classification. So we talked, you know, a, a second ago about, uh, you know, aligning the metadata from the other systems. But the problem is a lot of times that metadata is disjointed, right? What what exists in one system is important to that system. What exists in another is important to that one, and they're not the same. So when we when we look and you take a, a, a search interface or an intranet that's, that's delivering content to people, and it comes from all these different systems, it becomes really apparent. It's like, okay, we'll search documents here, search people over here, search these type of documents over there because they're from another system. Uh, and if you don't know those systems or don't know that kind of back-end you know, how the back office is run, you're not going to find the things that you're looking for. And that's what we talk about with classification is the ability to kind of process and analyze the content that you have to, to create new metadata that makes things findable and to align the metadata that exists into a more easy to, easy to use uh, way. Now, what a lot of people always go is, gosh, that sounds like a lot of work, right? So now i got to have a team of people. I'm not Google. I don't have 100 people doing metadata, right? Um, well, we always say, you know, hey, that's not a human job. You don't want humans. Let's use robots for that or, or software. Uh, and we have our, an auto classification tool that really, that really takes care of that. So build rules, apply it against the taxonomy. That's going to be key to your to your internet to make it successful, and our auto classifier tool allows you a way to do that, right? So if it's you know on premise SharePoint, Office 365, SharePoint Online, or hybrid, you want a tool that can help you kind of align those things. Now the problem that you run into next is once you've got an auto classification tool and you're applying all this metadata, uh, is you may run into a situation where you've got too much metadata, right? So that's that's Typically, when we talk to our clients, that's one of the things that we see is they, go, they, they went crazy. They created this huge taxonomy, and it's great. 
but they're looking for common words that exist in a lot of their a lot of their information. Uh, take a drug company for example, right? They may have a document that's about aspirin, but it also has an, a, a section that says that aspirin reacts to this list of drugs in certain ways, and that list of drugs is every drug they have, right? In some way, so. Uh, a tool will find those and it will say, yeah, that document talks about aspirin. It also talks about this drug and also talks about that one. But what you really want is a tool that's smart enough to recognize really what a document is about and provide you the, the, the ability to say, not only is my not only am I finding automatic metadata, but I'm finding quality automatic metadata. Metadata that I know this is what this document's about because I was able to say, hey, it's in the title, it's in the body a number of times, right? You know, it, it, it was authored by such and such person who I know is an expert in that, uh, and, and building that into your rule set. So not only when you're done, do you have a great taxonomy and lots of metadata, but that metadata is super accurate. So when someone comes into your search system or your internet and says, hey, I'm looking for information on aspirin, they're going to find documents that are specifically about that. Uh, and that's really what classification is about. Without good classification, without good metadata, uh, your people will get lost. And if they're lost, they're not going to love it. So it's definitely something to focus on. Certainly not going to trust it. And and trust takes us to that next uh, this next point. Navigation. Harut, one of the great complaints we've all doubtless heard over the years from team members working in intranets is that no matter how well-intentioned our technical teams were in building the thing right, Users have a low degree of confidence in navigating their systems. What do you look for in building navigation that can actually empower users rather than confound them? Pete, you said the keyword right there, navigating, right? So what you want to think of a good explanation of what navigation is, is same as your Google Maps, right? You're trying to get from point A, you know where you're at right now, and you know where you are going to. Uh, so the purpose of the navigation is basically to give you a representation of your content relevant to the user. Um, and more importantly, it has to be organized in the same mental model as the user. Otherwise, you're going to create cognitive dissonance. So l l let me kind of dive in there a little bit uh, since I'm throwing this SAT words out there. Uh, <laughs> what it means is that if your user envisions your organization in a certain way, right? Uh, so if you have the HR, IT as kind of colleague organizations, uh, sibling organizations, and you have, let's say, accounting, operations, all of those, uh, they structure them, you know, uh, IT beneath uh, HR, or however what the structure is, that's in their head. It doesn't matter what you think. Nobody cares what you think. If you're listening to this, like sit down, think about this. Nope. When it comes to good intranet design is keep in mind, it should be your mantra, nobody cares what I think. So this is, you have to think about the user. What is going on in their head? How do they envision my organization? And what can I do to give a representation of that in the navigation? Now you find my, you might find yourself that uh, there's different models, right? Some people will view your organization differently from department to department or from role to role. So you have to be able to support that. Now, that, that's asking a lot of SharePoint, right? This is where Engage comes in, is to really allow you to build a different sets of navigation 
uh, to be able to represent what each user expects and show it to them respectfully. Uh, and uh, to take this one step further, right, this kind of a, a associates with uh, look and feel, your navigation also has to be more than just drop-down windows nested inside one another. Uh, so it, it has to be a lot, it has to be rich, it has to be able to support multimedia, organization into columns and tabs, and to be able to automatically go from uh, device to device, so from full profile desktop down to the smallest device like your watch, your tablet, your smartphone. Hope that paints a good picture. It, it certainly does, and I, and that tie back to look and feel is is I think an important one. It also seems to be a, a challenge to understand or, or to see quickly when you have created something that's that's intuitive and uh, of great utility to your users, and that leads into our next topic, which is analytics. Sean, this is back to you. Our, uh, we we know that there are tools that collect data on usability and can churn out reports like crazy. But what do you think about when applying analytics to your intranet that is both useful for development teams, but also relevant in improving the user's experience? Yeah, I, th I think you really hit on it. When you think about analytics, it is useful and relevant. Another another term that we use is kind of actionable analytics. And, and this is when you need to take a step back uh, and realize that you know, historic analytics or what people may think they have in analytics really isn't isn't kind of ringing the bell. It's not doing what it needs to do. So if you think about it, right, so somebody said, oh, I got Google Analytics. I stuck it on my site. I know that last month I had 400 users and this month I had 450 and the month after that I had four whatever or thousands or this. Okay, now what? <laughs> you know, so what, what, you know, how, how do you then take the fact that you know that and drive it back in? Were those users happy? Uh, were they finding the information that they wanted? Uh, were, did you get more users uh, just because, you know, more people came into the company? Uh, you know, are, are you, you know, is that, a, is that really a growth thing? Or is the internet, you know, is it potentially that the internet is the faster it finds stuff, the less that they use it, and then the more capable it is, right? So if someone's spending hours on the internet, is that a good thing, right? Or are they lost, right? So how do you answer these questions? And that's why you need actionable analytics that can tell you things like that, can dig that kind of next level deeper into user behavior. So that's really what you need to be looking at. And it speaks specifically to all the things Harut was talking about, the UI design and the navigation and things like that. Where are people going in the site? Where where are they dropping out? What kind of things are they doing? When they find a document, what are they doing with it? Are they downloading it? Are they viewing it? Are they doing that to 10 different documents, which means that likely they're trying to find something that they can't find. So if you have the ability to capture that type of analytics, then you can feed it back into the system uh, in a number of different ways, right? So you can look at things like, what are, what is the popular content? You know, when, when people are doing certain things and they find this type of content, that that means you know they stop there, right? So that's a great that's a great piece of content. You can look at things like, do I have certain authors or certain departments that are cranking out content that people really love? Or how do I promote that? How do I push that to the front so that when you come in, it's like I know that that when people come in. If the marketing department created it and they find it, that's what they were looking for. So let me highlight some of that content. You know, can you take things like what others are doing that are similar to the person that's in? Analytics is all about who you are and what you're doing. So if someone, if I'm in the finance department and I come to the internet and I do a search and I find something, it's pretty likely that someone that's similar to me in role may be interested in that same thing. 
we'll know that, right? We'll know what the other person did. We'll know that when this user comes in that he's from finance, and we can say things like, hey, uh, other people in your apartment looked at this content. Do you find any of that content beneficial, right? If, if, as soon as the system starts recognizing who they are, takes a look at the analytics that it has, and starts pushing content that they find valuable to them, that's when they really realize, wow, I do love this system. It, it told me what I was looking for before I even needed it. And if you're not getting that from your analytics package, then you need to you really need to take a step back and look at what you're doing. B Insight has a as a tool, our smart analytics tool, it does all of this and it even automates the feedback into the system to drive content to people based on patterns. Uh, and that's what we mean by actionable. So when I talk about actionable analytics, it's not just that you're sending a report to your manager every month that said that, hey, we went up five percent, we went down three percent. No. You're looking at what people are doing, and you're actioning it, and you're making the experience better for everybody. And that's really what you need to focus on. Well, if analytics are, are who people are, who they are, and what they're doing, then uh, that leads us right into our next point: responsiveness. People are using their data in all sorts of different contexts, places, and different tools and devices. What does responsiveness mean to you, Harut, in the context of building a great intranet that actually exceeds your users' expectations? So, responsiveness is one of the terms has has been abused significantly we've uh, so it's uh, it, it gets thrown around a lot we want it responsive but so let, let's just kind of dive in there and then see what that means so a lot of people uh, what they're asking for is I want this to be uh, views viewable on a mobile device but what it really comes down to is being able to support uh, as the word implies respond to the different devices that the users want to consume your content on uh, and today that's the desktop and maybe smartphone and potentially tel tablet but uh, more and more those forms are changing right it could be uh, your watch your smartwatch it could be uh, audio speech devices like Alexa and an enterprise versions of that so being able to adjust and deliver content and respond to that without having to do extra work. So there's options, right? You can create content and target it to all of those devices so it can respond, but that's doubling, tripling, quadrupling the work for the end users. You want to be able to create the content one time and automatically deliver it uh, to all those locations. So that just, if you were to break it down more on the, the technical side, it means it's not just the content, but all the things that go around it, right? So and the navigation, the ability to also organize your lists and content around document libraries in that way. And all of that has to be able to work across all of those devices. Now, our last point is one that likely means the most to your individual users and one we've been building toward uh, throughout this whole conversation, and that is personalization. And I know you both have thoughts on this point. What are our users' expectations when it comes to using these tools at work? Uh, Sean, would you kick us off on this point in particular? Uh, what does personalization mean, and what do your users have to look forward to uh, in intranets to come? Yeah, I think, I think the key thing with personalization 
organization is, you know, they expect the system to know who they are, right? So that you think about what they're what they're dealing with in their in their personal lives, right? They're on they're on Facebook, right? Facebook knows who they are. Facebook knows what they're interested in. It pushes things to them, right? A lot of targeted marketing, uh, but it makes things very easy, right? So so they know that they have some comfort in, you know, they're they're going to see things that are local to them, right? And they expect the same thing in their work environment, right? So if you think about uh, someone coming into a system, uh, you know, you're a global organization, you've got all these different offices, you've got Wi-Fi passwords, you've got menus, you've got all these things that are, are cross office, right? So those kind of things should easily be able to be filtered so that where I'm at, either either what office I'm in or potentially what office I logged into that day, I want to get information about where I'm at. Right, and so that the kind of situational, locational awareness, but also more more expanding on your profile. What what region are you in? What job role are you in? You know what what you know what things are important to those groups that are like you, and you want to you want to factor that into the things that that you have, the content that you have on your intranet, right? So so you know menus and things that maybe don't make sense for other people, you want to you want to hide those and show people uh, things that are specific to them. Uh, but then the same thing in in what we call you know profile based relevancy. So when I'm looking for content, being able to factor in what you know about me for what I'm looking for, so that my experience as Say a you know a plant manager is different than the experience of someone who works in HR. Uh, when when HR is searching for a document, they're probably searching for it you know in some type of policy or manual. When I'm searching for a keyword, you know if I'm a if I'm a plant manager or a worker, I'm probably looking more more of it in uh, some you know some type of a work aid or something like that. Uh, so don't don't make them figure that out through filtering and advanced searching. Teach the system those differences and make it drive relevancy based on their profile. So I think that's what people expect. They expect the system to know what they're looking at and who they are and what kind of things that they would be interested in and really factor it into their experience. One thing I want to add to this is that there's categories of personalization. Right. Uh, there is this automatic approach, which is where a lot of consumers are familiar with that when they log in to, uh, to Facebook, like as Sean was saying, or LinkedIn, or any of the social media sites, it will automatically, based on their algorithms, uh, identify stuff that you might find useful. But we're still humans. We still don't trust our robots. And, and that's why the next two categories come in. We have the, the push and the pull method. So in an organization, unlike on personal social media, there's people who are telling you what to do and what you should find relevant, and they, we call them managers. So the manager should be able to push relevant content and work to you. Right? They should be able to say, aha, uh -huh, this notification, this on-demand content, uh, uh, or this uh, piece of uh, new policy that I'm sending to you requires acknowledgement. They want to be able to push that out to you or to the department very easily and for them to appear correctly. Now, the second uh, part of that is the pull, and this is as an individual, uh, I know what I have to do today. I'm here. You pay me to do a job. I'm not here to hang out on the internet all day. Uh, I want to be able to choose um, selectively of what I think is going to help me. So I want to be able, we call this sometimes a subscribe model, but I want to be able to, uh, to pick and choose what content I want uh, that's relevant to me and I want it to automatically appear when I log in. So when an, an individual logs in, 
the content that's both automatically personalized, that's relevant to their role or location will be surfaced and what their managers find relevant, important to them that they've pushed out to them. And then as an individual has made that decision. So that all that stuff should happen automatically. Now the most important part of this is not pissing off IT. IT and corporate communications doesn't want to do this work. They don't want to go in there and configure multiple pages, multiple settings. Uh, they want to push this off to the end users to be able to do this or for the system to determine this for them through tagging and categorization of content that Sean is talking about that helps automate that process that reduces the workload, but also allowing management and individuals to do this intuitively and incrementally is a huge part. So this will reduce the workload for them. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you both so much for your thoughts. Now, you both offer solutions that help us move away from these from out-of-the-box deployments and into solutions that really demonstrate your investment in great tools for your users and your intranets. Uh, what do you want your listeners to know about your tools and companies as we close up here today? Harut? So we are offering what we call a digital work platform, uh, and uh, this is an increasingly uh, a major area area for a lot of businesses is being able to uh, handle the overwhelming content systems that are coming online. Uh, so we, we have that broken down into multiple products, uh, Prime and Turbo. Uh, and just to kind of give you a little bit uh, view behind the curtain, the, the next releases that we have planned for this year also will start incorporating things like IoT. That's one area you have uh, a lot of devices that are throwing off information, but businesses have no way of consuming it, right? It's kind of a fire hose approach. So being able to even pull that content in and organize it and put processes around that. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, but if you have an intranet right now and uh, you're trying to uh, make it better or you know help automate some processes, uh, our, our Prime and Turbo products will, will fit for you. Excellent. We will absolutely put a, a, our links in the show notes. So uh, on your podcast player, everybody, just scroll up there and you will be able to see links to M-Gage's project, uh, products. Uh, Sean, uh, as a Shared Insights groupie yourself, you know, I'm sure people will be able to find you, but what would you like to share with people uh, in uh, in terms of resources today? Yeah, I think that the, the, the key thing to remember is when you think about this, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to hit all seven of these steps at one at one time. The, the great thing about our, our B Insight products is you can pick any one of these issues and kind of attack it piece by piece, right? So if, if you're not connecting to a system, we have connectors that can solely do that. If your classification needs help, our classifier can stand alone and do that. If you're, uh, if you need some kind of, you know, uh, tools to help on the front end, right? So, uh, your refinement isn't so good. Document preview would help you out. We have UI tools for that. Uh, and then if you're like, Hey, I just don't have the analytics to answer these questions then our analytics tool stands alone. So, um, the way that we look at it is all those products, you work together and fit together in a bunch of different ways. Uh, and so, you know, pick, you know, pick one problem that you have and, uh, and we can probably help you solve it. And then you just pick the other one. You go like that. And before you know it, uh, you don't have any problems and everybody's living happy. <laughs> I live in the dream. Live in the right. dream with Sean Coleman. Thank you so much uh, to both of you for your time and insights today. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and subscribing to this show. On behalf of Harut Katerjan and Engage and Sean and our robots, I am Pete Wright. And we'll be back next time on Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. BA Insight.